Good morning. Wasn't that beautiful? Our tech group went over to Friends University and they filmed that with the Friends Choir. And so, man, we're so blessed. I want to welcome you and I want to say thanks for coming this morning. And I want to welcome everybody who's watching online. We're so glad that you have joined us to worship with us. And I also want to just say real quickly, if you're a guest here this morning, welcome. We're so glad to have you here. I want to just remind you that if you're looking for a home church, if you would go out to our guest services, we've got some information for you. It's just our way of saying, here's what you need to know about our church. We're praying that you would make a decision that would bring you right here to Central Community Church. We would love to have you here. Thank you so much. I also want to just make one real quick announcement, and that is for the young men in this room between the ages of 20 and 45. Um, Next Saturday at 8 a.m., you know what? We're going to have a special young men's breakfast, so I'm going to encourage you to come and be a part of that, and uh, you can sign up for that out in the lobby. So please don't miss that. So how was Thanksgiving? Good? Did you have to loosen up another loop today? We won't talk about that, will we? No. You know, I have to admit, like, like TJ, you know, I've, I'm one of those people too. I mean, I don't want to talk about Christmas too much before Thanksgiving. I want to be thankful to the Lord, and then Christmas comes. But you know, one of the things that I've found over my life is, is that sometimes at Christmas time, it can be a real danger for people. You know why? Because we've heard this story over and over and over again, right? We all know this story. We know it forwards and backwards, So what's the danger in that? The danger in that is because it's become so familiar that it becomes ho-hum. You know what I would say right now? Tell this story to some of the people living in Ukraine. Tell this story to some of the people that don't have a home or don't have a job that are just suffering. Tell this to some of the people who don't have any food. I guarantee you it's a whole different story. And so here's my prayer for you in these next four weeks. Advent means we prepare our hearts for the coming of the baby Jesus. And my prayer for you is this, that you would open your hearts and you would ask God, God, what is it this year that's new and fresh that you want me to learn? What is it that I can take from your word and apply it into my life? Something that I will learn and see that I've never seen before. Help me not to lose the excitement of Christmas because Jesus came into the world. Now, some of you may know this name. He's no longer with us, but he's a very well-known broadcaster, and his name was Larry King. Remember Larry King? Larry King was one of those guys, and he interviewed everybody that was somebody. What I loved about him is he always wore a shirt and a tie and suspenders. We'll see if that fashion's ever going to come back. Oh, come next week and find out. But you know what? Larry King was known for all of his interviews. Well, somebody interviewed Larry King, and it was a young man, and he had all of his questions, and he wasn't trying to stump Larry, but he wanted to make him think about some things. And so when the interview started, he asked this question first. Mr. King, Across all time, who is the one individual that you would love to interview? Now, in his mind, he was thinking, ah, I got him now. But just like that, Larry King gave him an answer. You know who the individual was? He said, Jesus Christ. 
Well, that's not what the person who was doing the interview expected to hear. So he followed up with the question, well, what would you ask Jesus Christ? And you know what Larry said? He said this, I would ask him, was he indeed virgin born? Well, that kind of threw a wrench into this young man's plans, and he said, why? And he said this, because the answer is what will I, we can use to interpret all of history. The answer to that question interprets all of history. Listen to what apologist Ravi Zacharias said about that comment. Larry King was right. Both, both individual life and history must have a transcendent perspective if they are to be lightly, rightly understood. The birth and the resurrection of Jesus Christ give us just that. We cannot understand the progress of history until we know that history is ultimately his story. So here's what I want you to think about today. So why do we get so excited about this time? Why is Christmas such a big deal? And here's the answer to that question. Because it's the moment in time when heaven broke through right here on earth. Stand with me out of respect for God's word. As I read from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered, May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Wow. This is God's word for God's people. Let's pray together. To you this night is born a child of Mary, chosen, virgin, mild. This little child of lowly birth 
shall be the joy of all the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, obviously today we're starting a brand new series. It's the Advent series. This is what we do when we start and prepare our hearts for the coming of the baby Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ. We're calling this Christmas through Mary's eyes. And the reason is, is because I think we can all agree on one thing, and that is this. Nobody saw Christmas like Mary did, right? I mean, she had the bird's eye view. She was right there. Did you know that we know more about Mary than we do anybody else except Jesus himself? Mary's name is written all across scriptures more than any other name. It's in the Gospels, and it's also after that. But here's what I want you to remember, because this is the purpose of why we're doing what we're doing. Our goal is to understand what Christmas meant to Mary. And the reason is, if we can understand what Christmas meant to Mary, guess what? It will help us understand even more what Christmas is supposed to mean to you and I, right? But here's what I want you to remember. This is what Mary learned, and we're going to learn this along the way. You cannot separate Christmas from Easter. You can't have the cradle without the cross, and you can't have the cross without the cradle. So let's see what God has for us this morning as we talk about this young girl by the name of Mary. Let's look at the scriptures here. In Isaiah chapter 7, 14, it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And here's another one from Micah chapter 5, verse 2. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. What are these? They're prophecies, Right? These are prophecies that foretell that the Messiah is coming. Now, we know that in a small town by the name of Nazareth, a town that is so small that it didn't even make it on the map in those days, there's a young girl, and her name is Mary. The Bible tells us that she's a virgin. And you know what? Mary is about to encounter something that will change her life forever. But I just want to remind you of one other thing about Mary. The Bible tells us that Mary, too, was looking for the coming of the Messiah. Now, I don't know about you, but that kind of grabbed me this week. Mary was this young girl. Some people would refer to her as a child, and she was looking forward to the coming of the Messiah just like the rest of her family, just like the rest of her nation. Why? Because the Romans were so hard on them. They had such a thumb on these people that the people were literally looking for the Messiah to come because they needed him so desperately. And I wonder if that's not the way we should be seeing things. Maybe we have life too good. Maybe life is too easy. Maybe we're thinking in our minds, eh, life is good. I'm okay. Gas is under $3. We're good. Right? That's how I get. I get so comfortable in my life, and I begin to think that my life is about this and not that. And God wants us to be heaven-minded, right? 
So at this moment now, Mary gets a visitor. She's a little distracted. And the visitor has a name. His name is Gabriel. He's not just any man or woman or child. This is one of those who stands in the presence of God. He had been sent a few months earlier to a relative of Mary. I wonder if she heard anything about it. But now Gabriel comes to her. Take a look. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth. I love that fact that God sent him. You know what? There's a plan, ladies and gentlemen, and at just the perfect timing, God says to Gabriel, it's time, go. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, here's what we know about Mary Mary was young, Mary was humble, and Mary was spiritually deep, just like some of you. And you know what? The Bible tells us something else about Mary. The Bible tells us that she was in the tribe of Judah. And she was part of the line of King David. Now, in the Jewish people's eyes, this was a big deal. Now, watch this. The Lord swore an oath to David, a sure oath that he will not revoke. One of your own descendants I will place on your throne. One more. For it is clear that our Lord descended from Judah. And in regard to that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. Now, here's what I want you to know about this. This is critical information to us because it reveals to us more of the prophecy of how they would understand and know the Messiah. And everything in Scripture had to line up so that you and I can say, Scripture is truth. And that's exactly what God did. And part of that truth was, is there was a little girl. She was just now of the age of bearing children, And you know what? The Bible tells us she was a virgin and she was engaged to be married to a man by the name of Joseph. Now at this time and stage in their their life, you know what? Their relationship, even though it says they were engaged, they were like they were married. You know what? They would have to get a divorce in order to separate. But this was a 12-month waiting period. So during that 12 months, Mary's getting ready. She's about to be the wife of Joseph. And you know what Joseph's doing? He's building a home. He's demonstrating to all of the people in the town of Nazareth, I can provide for my family. But the Bible tells us something else about Mary that's really important. Remember what it was? There have been no physical contact. Mary's a virgin. Do you remember a few weeks ago, we were talking about the wedding at Cana, and I was talking about a word that John loved to use, and it's the word sign. Remember that? A sign, remember, is a supernatural event that points to something very significant down the road. Now, let me just ask you, think about this. Can you think of anything more significant than a virgin conceiving a child? That is amazing. It has never happened before this time, and it has and will never happen again. 
Now, the Bible tells us in Matthew and Luke that Mary was a virgin. Mary also refers to herself as a virgin. Even her husband Joseph says Mary was a virgin. So what does that mean? Here's what it means. God entered the single cell of Mary, and that cell grew into a zygote. That zygote grew into an embryo, and that embryo grew into a fetus in the womb of Mary, who was a virgin. Now, I hope the question that you would ask or you're thinking about is this. Why is that such a big deal? Here's why. Because if Jesus would have come into this world like everybody else did, he would not be God in human flesh. And if he's not God in human flesh, then he cannot be a savior. And if he is not a savior, ladies and gentlemen, you're doomed, and so am I. That's why this is so important that we know and we believe Jesus was born of a virgin. Did you know this? Even Islam believes that. The Muslims believe that Jesus was born of a virgin birth of Mary. Here's what I think is kind of funny. We could use Muslims against liberal Christian teachers that teach that there's no such thing as a virgin birth. I think that's hilarious. I want to jump ahead, if I could, with you just for a minute to a passage in Acts, okay? Acts chapter 8. Just before Acts chapter 8, do you remember what happened? There's a man by the name of Stephen who is being stoned to death. Remember what happened? The chapter opens up in chapter 8 of a man by the name of Saul. And you remember what it said? And Saul approved of what was being done to Stephen. Saul was a mess. He was a terrible man. He was a Pharisee. And remember what his goal in life was? Get rid of the way. That's what they called it. Get rid of Christians. Get rid of all of these people who follow this guy by the name of Jesus. The Bible tells us he even went and got letters, permission, where he could go into people's homes, pull them out, and throw them into prison. Remember what happened? Paul was on his way to Damascus. And on his way to Damascus, the Bible tells us, he encountered the Lord Jesus. And remember how Jesus came in a very bright light. It was so bright. What happened to Saul? He was blinded, right? He couldn't see. They had to lead him by the hand. Huh, not so tough now, is he? But they had to lead him by the hand to a place in Damascus. And while that was happening, the Lord goes to a man by the name of Ananias. Remember? Remember what he told Ananias? He said, Ananias, I want you to go down to Straight Street, and I want you to go to this house, and I want you to find a man by the name of Saul. He says, and I want you to pray for him. And you know what Ananias said? He goes, nah, I'm not sure I want to do that. I've heard about this dude, and I've heard he's a pretty tough guy. And remember what Jesus said? No, 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 no. He's my chosen servant. So Ananias went, and the Bible tells us that he laid hands on Saul, or the apostle Paul, and the Bible says that he was able to see, right? We all on the same page? 
Now, here's my question for you. What's the first thing Paul saw? What the answer is? Ananias. First thing Paul saw was Ananias. Now, I want to tell you a little bit more about that. My friends, I want you to remember, I don't care what it is that's going on in your life, everything happens for a reason and everything is connected. The word Ananias in the Hebrew means grace of God. What was the first thing that Paul saw? The grace of God. Did Paul do anything special to be used and chosen of God to write literally two-thirds in the New Testament? Absolutely not. You know why Paul was chosen? Because of the grace of God. Remember last week what we talked about? Why is it, Pastor, that God seems to work through some people's lives more than he does through mine? Is it anything that you have or don't have? No, it's the grace of God. The very first thing that Paul saw when his salvation was this, the grace of God. Now, let's go back to our story this morning. Mary, do you remember what the angel Gabriel said to her, how he greeted her? Well, let's go back and look at it real quickly. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you are highly favored, the Lord is with you. More than anything else, you guys, that greeting is what messed with Mary's mind. She could handle all of the other things that Gabriel said, but the thing that messed with the mind was the greeting. What did he mean? Greetings, you who are highly favored. In the New Testament, the word for grace is the word charis. That word is used 170 times in the New Testament. Obviously, it's a favorite of the New Testament, right? It's a favorite word. But what I want you to understand, this is the only time when talking about Mary being highly favored, this is the only time in all of Scripture that this word charis, grace, means highly favored. It's the only time. So what does it mean to be highly favored? Here's what it means. It means God was pouring grace into Mary. That means, my dear friends in Christ, I don't care who you are, you could be chosen by God. You could be chosen by God to do something that you never thought you would be able to do. You don't have to have anything special. Mary wasn't anything special. Why was she special? Why was she highly favored? Because God was pouring grace into her. I want you to think about this for a second, okay? How do you see a lot of times women who are pregnant, maybe in their second, third, or fourth month, what do you see them doing? Don't they always do this? It's always like they're carrying their stomach, aren't they? Right? And you and I know what they're doing. They're holding their baby, aren't they? Can you imagine Mary? She's living life, and she's got her arms, and she's holding that child. What's that child? She is full of grace. That's who Jesus is. So what does grace mean? Well, you can say grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. Okay, that's one way. But let's see what the Bible tells us about this. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Guys, you didn't do anything to deserve your salvation. Do you realize that? It's all because of God's grace. Well, what is that grace? Grace always focuses not on the gift 
the one who gets the gift. He always focuses on the giver of the gift. And grace always means that the giver is good. You see, grace was a blessing. Grace was a greeting. Grace was was something that, that you would that you would give someone. It was a gift. And the Bible tells us that the focus of grace is that God has given us what we don't deserve. Do you understand that? I don't deserve God's salvation. I don't deserve his love. There's nothing about me that would make me look better before God. I am only a child of God because of God's grace, because of his goodness. And oh, I thank you that God is good. Aren't you? Doesn't it make you feel good that you don't have to live a certain way? You don't have to do certain things to earn God's love? Even in those moments in my life, when I am at my worst, God could never love me more than what he does at that moment. Oh, that feels good. And that was Mary. It was by God's grace that God chose Mary to be the mother of the baby Jesus. I want you to think about something, okay? Mary was blessed, wasn't she? Can you imagine some of you young girls here between the ages of 14 and 17, whatever, and God asked you to be the mother of the baby Jesus? Wow, what a blessing. Dude, you know who that is? That's Mary. She's the mother of Jesus, the Messiah of the world. This is God's son born as a man. That's his mother. And she was blessed, wasn't she? But you know what? You also need to know, because of that blessing, she also experienced great pain. My friends, be reminded again that with anything, to whom much is given, much is expected, right? Do you realize that there are times in your life that God is going to choose you to do something for him? You may even have to suffer for him. But what I want you to be reminded of is that when God chooses people to suffer for him, there's always a need that is being met somewhere else in someone else's life. Yesterday, we had a service for a dear, dear friend of mine, is a relative of ours down in Ark City. He died of ALS. But what you think about ALS is that it's the Lou Gehrig's disease. Perspective is anything, everything, right? We didn't call it that. You know what we called it? We called ALS a love story. It was a love story between a husband and a wife, between a father and his daughters, between a heavenly father and his child. And you know what? Because they were chosen they chose to honor God by the difficulty that they had to go through. And in the end, guess what, my friends? He's with Jesus. What better reward can you get? And you know what I watched in his wife day after day, week after week, month after month? She served him. She was with him every moment of the day. So even in those times when he could not talk, she was still there meeting his needs. Sometimes when God chooses you, oh, there's blessing, but there's also a price to play. And you know what? For Mary, it happened right away. Can you imagine? Mary, after she finds out that she's going to have a baby, where does she go? 
she goes to see her relative Elizabeth, right? And she goes there because, guess what? Elizabeth is pregnant. We'll get to that in a second. She's there for three months, and then she comes back. Can you imagine what all of the people in the small town are saying about Mary? Dude, did you see Mary? She's pregnant. No. You know what? I knew she was that kind of a girl. But I mean, can you imagine what people said? All of the rumors, all of the things, and Mary had to endure that pain. Do you like it when people say horrible things about you that aren't true? And Mary had to endure it. Oh, she's blessed, but she realizes real quickly, guess what? Oh, there's pain that comes with this blessing. But she believed that she was chosen by God. Now watch this in the Scriptures. This is how Mary responds. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered, may your will be to me as may be to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. So what is Mary saying here? Here's what she's telling us. My body, I'm not my own. I'm a servant of the Most High. He's the master. I'm simply the one who has been given the opportunity to serve him. And so the way I'm going to live my life from here on out is this. My life doesn't belong to me. It belongs to him. And so I'm going to live my life in a way so that he gets the glory. And that's what God wants to see in all of our lives. He'll give you the power. He'll give you what you need at the moment to do what he's asked and called you to do. All right, now, let's remember once again, where did Mary go? She went to visit her, her, her cousin Elizabeth, who was with child, and she was very, very, very old. She was very mature, okay? I want you to think about this. Here's what I want you to remember about this. Why would God tell Mary through Gabriel that she has a cousin who's with child, who's way past the childbearing years? Here's the way I think of it. Number one, when God gives you a challenge, he will always bring someone alongside of you to walk the journey. That's what Elizabeth did. She walked the journey with Mary. How do we know? Because the Bible tells us when Mary entered into Elizabeth's home, the baby in Elizabeth's womb did what? Did somersaults. It leapt, the Bible says. Why? Because he was in the presence of the Son of the living God. Now, there's two things that I want to close with that I want you to remember. Here's the first thing. God also has a lesson for Mary, and here's the message message. Number one, God does not tolerate unbelief. Remember, who's walking around at the home with Elizabeth? Her husband, Zechariah. Can you imagine Mary? Hey, how come he isn't talking to me? He can't talk. Why? He didn't believe God. Oh. What I want you to hear is that if God has given you something to do, I want you to know, believe him. Don't listen to the lies of the devil because whenever you get a task from God, you know Satan's going to come and he's going to plant seeds of doubt. Do not believe him. Remember what Jesus taught us? Resist Satan ceaselessly. And then there's a second thing that Mary learned. And what was that? The second thing that Mary learned was that in addition to the fact that God does not tolerate unbelief, that this is who God is. Nothing is impossible with God. 
nothing is impossible. I don't know what you're going through right now in your life. I don't know where you're at. The circumstances may seem impossible. Satan be trying to drag you down every as much as he possibly can, and I want you to say this to Satan. With God, all things are possible. That's who God is. And you know what else God loves to do? God loves to give you glimpses of what he's doing. I always tell people, especially when I'm doing a funeral service for them, I tell them on the day of the service, I tell them this, look for the breadcrumbs. Look for the ways that God is going to show up and remind you he is here and he is in control, but you've got to look for him. I remember it was a week ago yesterday, and um, Bill was on his, his last, it was his last days, his last minutes. And I remember that as we were praying and we were all gathered around him as a family, all of a sudden the sun shone through the window. They had a lamp that was filled with all different types of glass. When the sun hit that glass, it just sprung all throughout the room. There were little red, there were little rainbows all throughout the room, and we all were looking up, and it was absolutely amazing. I don't know what everybody else was thinking, but I'll tell you what I knew. I knew that I wasn't the only one in the room. And I knew that there were angels, and I knew that the Lord Jesus was coming to take Bill home. So yesterday we had the service. It was raining. And after we were done, we decided that there were a group of guys that we all played softball together with Bill, and we all headed out to the country club. When we drove out to the country club, just before I drove in the driveway, I looked up because all of a sudden there was a ray of sunshine, and the, and the sky opened up. And what do you think I saw? I saw the biggest rainbow that you would ever see, and I took a picture of it. That doesn't mean anything to you, but you know what it means to me? God says, I'm here. I'm watching over you, Bob, and everything happens according to my plan. And no matter what Satan, no matter what the world must say, you can trust me, Bob, because with God, nothing is impossible. I want you to stand. And as we close our service, I'm going to ask Pastor Phil to come up, and, and what I want to do is I want to give the Lord kind of a reprise for, for what He is doing in our lives, and I just want to worship Him. And we're going to worship Him with a chorus of, O come, let us adore Him. And I want you to sing to Him, the God who is the God, who is the God of impossibilities.
on the road. That was really, wasn't that good? That was awesome. Receive the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give his peace and his joy. Remember, he is a God of impossibilities. Have a great week. God bless you. We'll see you next week.